You don't even like sports. Welcome to You Don't Even Like Sports, a podcast about sports for people who don't like sports. With your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Jeff May. What else? Um, something else that um, you might not have known, though, is that you don't even like sports. Jeff, you don't even like sports. How fucking dare you? Wow. Even though you don't like sports, you're going to tell me that I don't even like sports when it is, in fact, you who doesn't even like sports. Not only is it that you don't even like sports, but you've never even won the Daytona 500. Wow. Wow. That's a low blow. Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Don't Even Like Sports. I'm Adam Todd Brown. I'm Jeff May, and you don't even like sports. You do, Right. That's what I said. Jeff May, you don't even like sports. Thank you for agreeing no, with me. No, I appreciate no. it. Thank you. Sorry Finally. I'm bringing facts to your little show. Oh, wow. That hurts. I'm a bad dude. Hey, everyone. We're talking about Tony Stewart again this week. We got two episodes to go in the Tony Stewart season. This is the last public episode. Next episode will be subscriber only. We'll be wrapping the season up. <laughs> like rapping? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's beatboxing. That's not really rapping, but... <laughs> <laughs> This episode, we're talking about an elusive race for Tony Stewart. The one that got away. The Daytona 500. You don't want to say elusive race involving NASCAR because yeah, that's is... Yeah, that's a good point. Ew. Yikes. Yikes. Awkward. Yeah, the, the Daytona 500, it's a very prestigious race. Kicks off the season. Yeah, kicks off the season, but it, it holds kind of a weird place in racing lore. People sometimes call it NASCAR's Super Bowl, but that doesn't really seem like a good comparison because the Super Bowl ends the season and determines the champion. The Daytona 500 kicks off the season and there is no championship at stake. It seems like NASCAR is built heavily on ceremony, and this is a big ceremonious, this is a big deal. It's the one that starts every, it's the gentleman start your engines. It's, it's, this is where it all begins. There is a massive amount of prestige, but you're right. It takes place in the beginning. So it's not necessarily holding that same weight, but it, but think of it like this opening day in baseball. It's pretty fucking prestigious. Yeah. But if you win on opening day, people accept that there's still an entire season to go. Yeah. But it's like a big deal. Opening day, it's pomp, it's circumstance. The tickets are always sold out. Like, it's a fucking party, man. You're not going to go to a, a, a more fanfared game during the regular season than opening day. Yeah, that's true. Remember when we were in Kansas City for opening day, right? The year that they won the World Series. Oh, yeah. And like, I just it was just a bunch of white anchors trying to say the names of Hispanic baseball players, and they were fumbling the whole way. We should have gone to a game in Kansas City when we were there. We really should have. Me and Chet went to one when we were on tour last time we went to a game in kansas city and my god it was the most pleasant baseball experience i've ever had like you pull up and they're like here's our miles and miles of open parking getting up to your seats was super easy the f i got a full barbecue meal like kansas city barbecue at a baseball stadium for 13 dollars. can't get that in la for that price yeah you can't get that anywhere yeah it was great so much fun cheaper than a movie theater and it's a baseball game. Yeah, it's crazy when you go to places that aren't like here or Boston and you try to get tickets to something and it's like, oh, that'll be $7 and here's a free hot dog. 
Yeah. And you're like, where am I? Enjoy your free parking. So the Daytona 500, the other thing about it, even though people put so much weight behind winning it, it's not really an indicator of future success that season. There are only nine drivers that have won the Daytona 500 and then gone on to win the championship. And we're talking about a race that's been running yearly since 1959. I mean, when it all comes down to it, it is just one race. But it is, I would like to see an indicator of top 10 finishes after that. Because the championship in NASCAR is crazy hard. Right. But getting, you know, points, getting all those points and, and sort of tallying them up over the course of a season, like, I would like to see that that number too. Because obviously the winning aspect is... It's nearly impossible. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. The the Daytona 500 itself is a very hard race to win. And that, I think, is what adds to the prestige of it. Richard Petty won it seven times, and that is like one of those sports records that is probably going to stand forever. Like, no one else has even come close. There's one driver who's won it four times. And then there's a a few who've won it. uh, There's five drivers who've won it at least three times. That was back when they were driving like Cutlass Supremes and shit like that. Yeah, that's the other thing about it. The Daytona 500, that 1979 Daytona 500 that we talked about on the NASCAR episode before this season even technically started, that's the race that kind of made NASCAR a mainstream thing. So there's that too. It's a big thing. It's got it's got a big name. It's got it's the whole thing. Yeah, and the last eight have been won by seven different drivers. So it's it's not it's not a easy race to win. Denny Hamlin won it twice in 2016 and 2019, and he's one of those five drivers that's won it three times or more. That's impressive. How old's Denny Hamlin anyway? Good question. Is he going to chase that record? You're like, oh, he died of COVID. Okay, well that's a problem. Thirty nine. So he's got time. Mm, No, he doesn't. I don't know what the average age of retirement is for NASCAR drivers. Yeah, but let's talk about the odds on that one. Even if he is winning once every three years, there's no way he's going to catch him. He'd have to be 52 by the time he he hits the record. That seems like some Gordy Howe shit. Oh, the average age of retiring NASCAR drivers over the past 15 years has plummeted from 38 to around 33. Yeah, because they're like, I don't want to die. Yeah. So Denny Hamlin's an old goddamn man when it comes to this point. So he's not catching Richard Petty. No. Get the fuck out of here, Denny. I wrote a Cracked article once about how Lil Wayne, on two different occasions in his songs, I believe confused Richard Petty for Tom Petty. Because on both occasions, he had these lines in his songs where he said he's fast like Tom Petty. It's like Tom Petty was the opposite of fast there was nothing fast about tom petty richard petty or even kyle petty yeah sure if you catch him running down a dream it could be pretty quick that's true that's true but if he was fast he would have caught that dream i don't know if he ever caught it he was still running it down by the time that song ended in a nascar like how tony stewart killed that guy when he ran him down (laughs) yeah another similarity tom petty used to fly the confederate flag on stage and then stopped doing that But it was way back in the 70s, so it's fine, Jeff. It's fine. Yeah, that was back when you were like, it's about heritage and hate. Yeah, and by the 70s, I mean mid-80s, actually. Anyway, let's talk about Tony Stewart and the Daytona 500. This is fascinating to me. It's objectively hilarious at some points. This storyline is fucking Wile E. Coyote and the Roadrunner. Yeah, just to go 17 years in a row 
and be as accomplished of a driver as Tony Stewart was and to not win the goddamn thing even once. That's Tony Stewart's career. His first NASCAR race was the Daytona 500 in 1999 right after i graduated high school that was how they celebrated oh nice you went to the daytona 500 with tony stewart no well that's how they celebrated that was like his graduation he finished 28th in that race due to electrical problems with his car the next year he finished 17th after a freak mishap in pit row Researching this episode is the first time I I came across this incident, but basically his second attempt at the Daytona 500, he was doing really well, made a routine pit stop for some routine maintenance. And as he pulled out, he somehow hit a tire that was just laying in the middle of the road and could not get it dislodged from underneath the front of his car. He was swerving and doing all these maneuvers to dislodge this tire from the front of his car and it took him so long he ended up finishing the race in 17th it's very funny it is it's uh, that's definitely a wily coyote type yeah that's an acme tire and in 2001 his third attempt eh, we talked about what happened in that one you know, pre-9-11 there. Yeah, that was the, the 9-11 of NASCAR is what the 2001 Daytona 500 was. We should, we should copyright that. The Daytona 500, the 9-11 of NASCAR. <laughs> copyright, you don't even like sports. Yeah, if people are, are don't remember, that is the year Dale Earnhardt died at the Daytona 500. We have an episode about it. Go listen to it. Tony Stewart in that race, if you do recall that episode suffered one of the most visually stunning car wrecks in NASCAR history and survived it. Yeah, got it, got out, and he's like, man, that's fine. Yeah, my shoulder hurts, man. Yeah, my shoulder's roughed up a little bit, but I can still beat up a reporter. And then Dale Earnhardt died in a far less visually appealing crash. One could say visually boring crash. Disappointing, for sure. Like, that's how your movie ends, you know? It's a very Patch Adams ending. Yeah. Million dollar baby. Yeah. Yeah. All this and then this. All right. In 2002, it's, this is great. Uh, It seemed like he was very much on track to win the Daytona 500. His qualifying races went great. Everyone was picking him to win. Everything leading up to the race was going great. And then literally two laps into the race, his engine died and he ended up finishing last. The only way that would have been funny Uh, funnier excuse me is if that happened right before he finished oh yeah which does sort of happen a couple times but not sure does so much with failure like not car failure it's just him failing that is so funny that two laps in his car just explodes (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's video of it and man we'll link to there's a really uh well done video that covers all of his daytona 500 disappointments well done in that it's informative they could have worked on the audio levels a little bit and uh maybe fix up the the narration a little but this is a hit job now adam (laughs) (laughs) taking down youtubers that's what i do he did win the championship that year though in 2002 so that helps which i guess explains how not winning the daytona 500 doesn't necessarily lead to a championship quite the opposite you got dead fucking last in there and you won a championship yeah and to his credit he's not the only nascar legend that never won daytona 500 the list of racers that never won the daytona 500 is actually a very impressive list so he's in good company 
Yeah, it's like a it's like a Carl Malone kind of vibe. We're just like or like a Patrick Ewing or something like that, where it's like, oh, you're great, but you are not gonna get that one thing you want. Yeah, Carl Malone, I just remembered yesterday. Uh, while doing a episode of the Sport Horse podcast, second leading scorer all time in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Ahead of Jordan, LeBron, Kobe, the only person with more points is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, shout out. Yeah, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar played until he was, what, like 65? Yeah. Kareem looks like he could still be playing right now. Yeah. Uh, John Stockton being just this unbelievable assist machine, too. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, man, he just knew how to deliver it to the mailman. Oh. No championships, though. Yeah, but a hard victory at Bash at the Beach. That's true. He does have that championship. God, he was so shredded at that match. It was insane. God Ooh. damn. God, we do another episode about his fucking body in the, <laughs> in the fucking Dennis Rodman episode. So in 2003, Tony Stewart's full of confidence from winning that championship. Goes back to the Daytona 500. He's in the lead for part of the race, but then... The race was ended early because of rain at a point where he was in seventh place. The thing about the Daytona 500, once they finish a certain amount of laps, the race is considered complete. Well, it's like baseball, right? Baseball, I think, just started that this season, where if you get past a certain number of innings, the game is considered done. Oh, I thought that's been happening for like forever. Like I thought it was like after like seven innings or something like that, The if there was a rain delay or something like that, they just called it, but... Yeah, maybe they've been doing it for a while, but I thought that was just a a thing that happened this year. But either way, it happens in NASCAR. And if it happens when you're approaching the lead but not in it, fuck you. Probably smart to have this rule, by the way. Like as soon as a drop of rain falls, they should be like, all right, we need to stop this immediately. You would hope that's what they do. Yeah, on a fucking, on a summertime track, the fucking water hits it and it would just suck all the oil up to the top. Jesus Christ, goddamn death factory. It is fun seeing clips of people racing in the rain though. It looks exactly like what you would expect it to look like. Fucking chaos. Just fucking people smashing into shit. So in 2004... He was once again in the lead for a lot of the race, battling Dale Earnhardt Jr. for first place as the race was approaching the end. And man, Dale Earnhardt Jr. just straight up beat him in that final lap. Tony Stewart lost by a quarter of a second. That is so satisfying. After leading for 98 laps. It's great. I love one of my favorite things about Dale Earnhardt Jr. is his sponsorships because he gets like the white trashiest youthful sponsorships. I think his two biggest sponsorships because he was like a PepsiCo guy were like fucking Mountain Dew and Doritos. Budweiser too for a while, right? Yeah, that's right. That was like his big his big car. But I know he did he did Mountain Dew, right? And Doritos. I think those were like two yeah. of his big ones. And that's just so funny to me. Yeah, if you're drinking full on Budweiser, like not Bud Light, something like like you're that's redneck shit. Yeah, if it's it's Bud Heavy mixed with Mountain Dew. They call it a uh, an Appalachian mimosa. Do they? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I would. I mean, we should start that. If not, I call Mountain Dew Appalachian Champagne. That's fair. It has to be. It has to come from the Appalachians to be considered actual Appalachian Champagne. People don't know that. Yeah. Other than that, it's just called trash, <laughs> sparkling trash. If you get it somewhere else. So in 2005, pretty much the exact same thing happened. His only competition most of the race was Michael Waltrip, but his engine died. And Tony Stewart was in the lead. And then Dale Earnhardt Jr. just fucking beat him again. Meep, meep. 
It's like this is the closest I've seen to Tony Stewart choking. Like that's not a thing that's associated with him and his career. But I think in these two races, he he kind of choked. I mean, we can't really take away Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s skill, though, because no, of course not. That's that's like a thing where Dale Earnhardt Jr. is a product of this world more than I think anybody else. I would say Dale Earnhardt Jr. might be the biggest pedigree. I know uh, Kyle Petty, that's Richard Petty's kid, right? I believe so, yeah. I think even past Kyle Petty, you have Dale Jr. because he fucking catapulted through. Yeah, and he's such a high profile, for NASCAR drivers, he's such a high profile celebrity. Yeah, who is very fuckable. And that is huge. A lot of crossover fuckability. That's true. Which, you know. Tony Stewart doesn't have that. Tony Stewart's dough-faced. He really is. Tony Stewart looks like uh, fucking Zuckerberg if he was like a little more racist. Yeah, yeah. He, in his Hall of Fame induction speech, even talked about how one of the other drivers who was getting inducted that year, like, ate really healthy and took care of himself. And he was like, not me, man. I'm proof that you can go the other way and still make the Hall of Fame. It's like, that's a healthy message, Tony Stewart. There it is, man. Y'all can be a dirtbag and be famous, kids. (laughs) You can kill a guy. So... In 2006, he was in classic Tony Stewart form. And by that, I mean, in a pre-race interview, he said, we're going to kill somebody if we keep doing what we're doing out there. And it came off in the interview as a warning, but turns out that was just a threat. It was a threat. That was 100% a threat. He, in that same race, proceeded to run Matt Kenseth's car onto the infield very intentionally, which sent the car skidding onto the grass and then back onto the track. He very fortunately survived. Uh, Tony Stewart finished fifth, but got a lot of heat for complaining about safety conditions and then blatantly causing an accident. I would have loved to have seen an interview afterwards where somebody was just like, so earlier you said that if we keep driving like this, we're going to kill somebody. And then you tried to kill somebody. So what the fuck's that all about, dude? Yeah, I'm sure those interviews exist because he, he there was a lot of controversy after this. And if you watch the video, he it looks like some movie shit. Like that thing in the movies where someone's driving next to a person in a high-speed chase and they just, eh, just turn the wheel a little to run them off the road. He did that. It's very satisfying to see, but not in real life. Yeah, it was fun to watch, but very dangerous. I mean, it's funny too, like... I'm assuming you have also done what I've been doing, which is watching a lot of interviews with Tony Stewart. Yeah. And he is such a prick. Like if he, if he does not like a question that you ask, he is going to berate you in front of everybody. It is fucking bananas. Yeah. And I always hate when athletes do that. It's part of your fucking job, man. Yeah. Answering questions is part of your job. The media is just doing their job. It's like you, you want them to not cover what you're doing. Like, just let us race and not tell people about it. Well, that's unrealistic, you asshole. Yeah. So, in 2007, he won both of the qualifying races, because that's one of the unique characteristics of the Daytona 500, is the lineup or the pole position for the race is determined by two different qualifying races, which I don't think there's any other NASCAR race like that. And in 2007, he won both of those qualifying races and was attempting to become the first driver ever to sweep all three. 
It's like the triple crown. Which he he won in the USAC. He's a triple crown guy. Go for it, Tony. In this race, he overtook Kurt Busch for the lead late in the race. And it super duper seemed like he was going to win. And then he and Kurt Busch crashed while battling for the lead. And he finished 43rd. That's very funny. It's very, very funny. Yeah, this whole sequence of events, it really is some slapstick comedy kind of shit. Mm-hmm. It's like Suge Knight always getting shot at the MTV Video Music Awards. It's like, how does that keep happening? Because he's Suge Knight and he's at the MTV Video Music Awards. <laughs> In 2008, he was once again leading the race and was leading the final lap, but there were two different teams that were challenging him for the lead. And Tony Stewart had to kind of decide which of those teams to block. And he chose wrong. He blocked the wrong team and got past and finished third. In 2009 and 2010, he, he just ran some fairly boring races. 2011, he was in third place with two laps to go. And then once again, just like tanked and finished 13th. He dropped 10 places in two fucking laps. Yeah, it was, and nothing happened. Like, there was no crashes. Like, people just all of a sudden started passing him. It's just a reminder of how tight this sport is with so many people playing. You know, with baseball, it's only two teams, so you can run away with it pretty quick. But in NASCAR, every game is fucking 45 people. Yeah, it's a big lineup. A lot of competition. In 2012 and 13, he crashed both times. Lost fuel pickup in 2014 and lost by a whole lot. And in 2015, once again, ended with a crash. Later that year, he announced he'd be retiring from NASCAR after the 2016 season. That meant he had exactly one more shot at winning a Daytona 500, Jeff. I think, Adam, I think he can do it. I I like his chances, honestly. His arms are sweaty. Palms are made of spaghetti. See, I know that. Yeah, those are the lyrics. Mackay Pfeiffer. Good for Mackay Pfeiffer for getting in a famous song. Yeah, good for him. Here's the thing, though, Jeff. As I'm reading the notes, I think we're wrong. Because it turns out that shot at the 2016 Daytona 500 never even happened. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime? Yo, we got got it. We we did it. See? Rapping. So here's the thing. We've talked a lot on this podcast about how Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart clean hate each other. Ooh, it's like listening to two helium-filled balloons argue. Right. They have, they got those entertaining chipmunk cadences. Yeah. Yo, man, coming on me on a one of those, don't you talk about me? You told me not to pass on the first lane, man, make up your mind. So satisfying. But here's the thing, they don't actually hate each other. They're actually very good friends. And by this point in history, Jeff Gordon had retired and was working as an analyst for Fox Sports. <laughs> I get it. I would also like to keep keep in mind, I don't want to gloss over the fact that this really makes me question Jeff Gordon, that he'd be like, Tony Stewart's a real piece of shit, but we tight. Yeah, it's it is. It seems like that's kind of Tony Stewart's relationship with all of NASCAR. Like people respect his driving so much that they just seem to kind of put up with the rest of everything. All right, like it's the guy who's like a friend that owns a pickup. So you have to be friends with him because he helps you move. So by this point, Jeff Gordon had retired, but every year Jeff Gordon, and he probably still does this, he would lead a group hosted by a car collector named Ron Pratt to ride ATVs in the Southern California sand dunes right there on the border 
with California and Arizona every year after the Barrett-Jackson car show in Arizona. Adam, this sounds awesome, and we should do it. Yeah, because we don't have to be with Jeff Gordon, I don't think. We could just go out on our own, right? We could be with Jeff Gordon. I mean, that would be a lot more fun. Do we have a connection with him? Uh this podcast that is true atvs are objectively awesome i don't care about whatever whatever trashy pedigree they might have where you look at people and you're like dirt bikes and atvs that's for trash fuck you atvs are fucking dope they are so fun adam they're so fun you can roll them real easy but that's kind of the fun yeah i've never ridden one i've never ridden a jet ski i've never ridden a jet ski and i've always wanted to i'm just not an outdoorsy kind of person man yeah, but that's a different kind of outdoors because that you're on a you're on a robot. It's a lot different than you're just like I'm camping and fishing, fucking ATVs and jet skis. You're like this. I'm on a motor. Yeah, I would do this shit. Let's go do it. We should. We should do. We should ride ATVs to a gun range and shoot guns. I have been to a gun range. Oh yeah, and that's a lot of fun. I went to a, a gun range on my uh, honeymoon in Tennessee in Pigeon Forge. Very satisfying. It's yeah. It's a. We should actually go. Once, once we're allowed to do things again, let's go shoot some guns. Shoot some fun guns. Fun guns. Aren't all guns fun, Jeff? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ob- objectively so. And that's something to add, too. Like, I'm anti-gun, but also, like, pro-gun. Yeah, I'm anti-gun violence, but I'm pro-gun fun. Yeah. So every year, Jeff Gordon would host this trip to the desert. And in 2015, Ron Pratt asked if Jeff Gordon thought maybe Tony Stewart would want to be part of that group because who doesn't look at Tony Stewart's track record and go, that's a guy I want to hang out with on a motor vehicle. Hey, you think that guy that killed the guy wants to hang out? <laughs> he had killed a guy by this point. This is post killed the guy. Just barely too. Yeah. No, this was like, as he's getting off the track, Tony Jeff Gordon's like, Hey, you want to kill You want to uh, go on an ATV trip? You want to kill yourself this time? <laughs> <laughs> Very satisfying. So, Jeff Gordon was all for it. Tony Stewart was all for it. Good times would be had by all. And, and again, who wouldn't be all for it? Exactly. Yeah, I true. just want to say, who, who wouldn't? I would 100% do that. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. And Jeff Gordon, in an interview, said it made him happy to see his friend with a big smile on his face during the ATV ride. With all he's been through, he certainly deserves that. And I think he means uh, killing a guy a couple years earlier, which that does, that's got to be tough, man. Thoughts and prayers, Tony Stewart. You know what, uh, Adam, I'm going to put this out there. Murderers uh, need fun ATV vacation getaways too. Yeah, I mean, that's why prison furloughs exist. That's why we want to go. To prison, you mean? All of it. Yeah. So during this ride, things went horribly awry. At one point, a line of eight to 10 sand rails, which is the, you might not get a mental image just from me saying it, but it's the, it's a Mad Max type of ATV that you would see in the desert. It's just a, like a dune buggy, basically. That's the type of vehicle they're driving in. And they're moving through the desert in kind of a train formation with Tony Stewart near the back. And they're, they're proceeding as normal, heading to their predetermined meetup spot. And the group gets there. They enjoy some drinks, a little bit of conversation, and then they notice Tony Stewart is not there and has not been there the whole time. They're like, nobody's starting a fight. What's happening? <laughs> Why? How come no one's angry? Oh, Tony's not here. And as it turns out, during the ride, his ATV crashed. This is a quote from Tony Stewart. I thought I followed in the same track as the guy in front of me. 
I don't know if I was a little too fast, but I literally crashed at five miles per hour because you didn't know when you got to the top of the sand dune what was on the other side. So you kind of crept over it. I just remember going over the top of it and I was aimed down and didn't actually realize I was in the air. But when I hit the sand, I knew it hurt something. I laid down beside the buggy and that's where I laid for the next two hours. That's this many, Adam. That's two hours. (laughs) That's like vultures circling overhead situation. That is, yeah, I'd be worried. Like after 30 minutes, I'd be like, oh, this is how I die. I'm going to just die in the desert of dehydration. It's just very funny. And like this episode is filled to the brim with hilarious moments of Tony Stewart getting his dick pushed in the dirt. And this is one of the funniest because this dude is going five miles an hour in a dune buggy and it kills him practically. It's like a hair away from murdering him. When we started this season and the when I started researching it, I bought two books, which were uh, Tony Stewart's book and then one that was like a collection of articles about Tony Stewart through the years. And that second book, the first thing I saw when I flipped it open was this story. And I was like, oh man, I can't wait to get to this point in the season. It's pretty great. Yeah, he they they finally realize he's missing. And some of the group, including Jeff Gordon, set out on ATVs to look for him. And this is a quote from Jeff Gordon. When we got there, he was laying on his back outside the car. It was pretty obvious that he was in a lot of discomfort. I'll tell you, he's one tough guy, man, because you knew he was in pain, but he never complained. He never said one thing other than, it's my lower back. My gosh, he's so tough. I would have been screaming like a baby. Technically, any sound that Jeff Gordon makes can be described as like a baby. (laughs) Just putting it out there. He's got that high voice too. Yeah, man. It's cute. So what was wrong with his back? A burst fracture of the L1 vertebrae. You ever broken a bone? Broken my thumb several times. Gambling problem. I broke a finger playing basketball once, but my, my most noteworthy break, I broke both of my arms at the same time. And I feel like it happened kind of in a similar way because a burst fracture happens when your bones compress together really hard and one of them fractures. And when I broke both of my arms, I was, I tripped and fell. And when I fell on the sidewalk, I braced myself with both of my arms and it jammed my, my, my two bones together and I broke both of my fucking elbows Oof. at the same time. That's funny. It was it was funny in retrospect, but at the time, worst, worst thing. Because here's what you don't take into account when, because they were broken, but I could still move them. It was just like a, a, little, a, a little fracture. But like the moments where it would really suck would be like if you were carrying something and almost dropped it. So you make that quick move to catch it. Reflex action, yeah. And oh my God, the pain. How was wiping your ass? Was that all right? It's actually the point in history where I got hooked on wet wipes because that was the only way I could wipe my ass without help. You didn't get a bidet? No, the wet wipes worked fine. I could I could reach and get down. But with toilet paper, I'd have to apply so much pressure. It would just be excruciating. But a bidet would have been a, a decent idea, too. Yeah, really spray that asshole. Spray it down. Clean it up. Smack it up. Flip it. Spray it down. Oh, no. So as it turns out, when you get 
when you break your back in the desert, not easy to get you out of there. No, because it's the desert. It's the desert. There's no there's no hospitals. There's no there's not even a fucking seven eleven. That would just be really funny if they were taking him on a fucking dune buggy and they just kept like going over the dunes and breaking <laughs> his lumbar vertebrae over and over again. They did have to put him in a ATV and get him to a point where a helicopter could even land to pick him up. Imagine a collection of people that wealthy and they still have to just fucking drive this dude over dunes. It's so great. Yeah. And his first words upon arriving at the hospital and meeting his attending physician, I have to race at Daytona in two weeks. Can you have me fixed up by then? Nope. This seems like you won't be able to walk by then. Yeah. You'll be lucky to ever walk again. You broke your back, you maniac. You exploded one of your fucking vertebrae, you psychopath. (laughs) And with that... Tony Stewart missed his last shot to win a Daytona 500 as a driver. That's objectively the funniest way to have that happen. To come out and be like, it's the last one, and I'm going to make it count. And then he immediately explodes his back. (laughs) I mean, it's funny because he survived. Like, he didn't die. It would still be kind of funny if he did, but he didn't. So we don't have to cross that bridge. Yeah, don't say it would have been not funny if he did die, because... Come on. Yeah. Poetic justice, if nothing else. But he didn't. Yeah. Dies on God's dirt track. (laughs) He was just severely injured and missed his last chance to win the Daytona 500 as a driver. But he did manage to return for part of the season, but only like half of it. NASCAR granted him a waiver. This is a thing NASCAR does, and it's actually a pretty cool thing. If you're hurt or for whatever, they have a rule that to be eligible for the championship chase, you have to compete in all 30 races. But if something like this happens, NASCAR is able to grant waivers to let you still compete for the championship as long as you meet certain criteria. It seems like they would, because all 30 races, sometimes shit's going to happen. Like sometimes you you might, you know, sprain an ankle or do something or I don't know if that would even be enough, but I'm assuming yeah. they have they have like it's okay. It's it's okay. And so if Tony Stewart could win just one race and finish in the top thirty of the standings by the autumn race at Richmond, he would qualify for the two thousand sixteen chase for the sprint cup. And he did all that. Good for him. Fairly and squarely. At the end of the day, Tony Stewart, if nothing else, is a great driver. And he made a a nice comeback in his final season. Not without controversy, though. Oh, what? If you can believe it. No. He, at that Richmond race, was battling his former teammate, Ryan Newman, for 10th place. And at one point, Tony Stewart wrecked (laughs) Ryan Newman, caused a five-car pileup, and ended Newman's shot at competing for the championship. After the race, Newman was very outspoken in his criticism of Stewart, including this line, which is a real zinger. I guess he thought he was in a sprint car again and didn't know how to control his anger. Boom shakalaka. That's disrespect. That's like one of those dunking memes where somebody like dunks and then their dick is in someone's face when they do it. Like that's the level of of yeah. wonderful disrespect in that. That's such a great fucking line. Did he get penalized for that? Do we know? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know if NASCAR has rules about that shit. Because he didn't, like, specifically say, at least he didn't kill me. Yeah, at least he didn't kill me like how Tony Stewart killed a guy once. But he definitely alluded to it. Yeah, he definitely brought up that Tony Stewart killed a guy. Because <laughs> he did. He killed a guy. He did. He killed a guy. Ultimately, Tony Stewart finished the 2016 season in 15th place. 
Not bad for breaking your back at the beginning of it. Yeah, it's definitely a respectable showing. Like you could do, I wouldn't finish 15th if you put me in a NASCAR championship series for a season. I might. I'd die. No, I'd probably break my back. I'd get like 13th at yeah, best. Oh, at best. At best. It's going to learn to drive stick first. You don't know how to drive a stick? No, I never learned to. I grew up on a farm. I, I can drive a standard uh, tractor. I can drive a, 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 a front loading bucket 1974 Ford tractor, but I can't drive a standard automobile because on the farm, they said, uh, why would we want to do more work when we already do enough? That was like the real rule as to why we only drove automatic shifts yeah i i don't understand people who are like oh i prefer a manual transmission it's just faster it's like who the fuck are you tony stewart we have rules on the road you can't yeah i love the people that are like it's not real driving unless it's standard i'm like is that the kind of masculine you think you need to be yeah that just means you're weak what about the type of masculine that calls for drinking and smoking while you drive can't do that in a manual transmission yeah, you can. This is very hard. Yeah, I mean, you got you're gonna have to use your cigarette hand to shift, and that's annoying. That's ultra masculine. Got a cigarette in that hand. Should be smoking it. Smoke butts every day. <laughs> so after stepping away, Tony Stewart said his decision was based on two things. One, he felt like technology and rule changes took driver skill out of the equation in NASCAR. And that only engineering determines who wins races. I don't think that's true. Nope, that is wrong. But that's yeah. just what old people say. Yeah, it really is an old person resistant to change kind of statement. Because like lots of drivers, like people were still winning races, man. Rule changes, by the way. A big part of that, killing people. Mm. Not yeah, a fan. I mean, once, you're a, once you have a taste, once you got a taste for, for taking yeah. a human life. Yeah, he's like a werewolf. <laughs> He, that's how he gains his powers. Yeah, every every race he turns into a monster that has to kill someone. <laughs> These rule changes, man, they just they make it harder and harder to kill someone legally every fucking time, man. <laughs> he didn't completely retire from racing, though. He just switched to dirt track races. Here's a quote. That's why I'm looking at the road courses for next year. They make you feel like you matter as a driver. I didn't always feel that way on ovals as a driver last year because of the aerodynamics. You know, if he was like really into it, I feel like he would do like European rally racing. Yeah. Like that shit is fucking bananas, man. But the travel involved would probably. Oh, can he not afford it? He can afford it. But you think Tony Stewart wants to live in Europe? Who doesn't want to live at least a, like have a house in Manila or some shit? Like, nope, that's not in Europe. Manila. Uh, that I, was, <laughs> I, I, I was trying to name an Italian place and I fucking blew it. Milan Milan was the one that I was going for and boy who who doesn't want to live under Rodrigo Duterte's thumb <laughs> yeah Tony Stewart's trying to do drugs he can't move to Manila but yeah like rally racing man that's that's the shit that you should be doing yeah Formula One something like that but no he went back to the dirt tracks and the second reason he gave for retiring was a promise he made to his dad oh Here's a quote. I got to where I was mad on Thursdays that I was leaving to go do what I was doing. And I was like, this isn't right. My dad made me promise when I was eight years old when we started racing together. He said the day that you're not having fun doing this, promise me you'll stop. And I think he meant if I was nine or 10 or 11. But I never forgot that. And I finally got to the point where I'm not having fun. Why am I doing this? You know why. Because you killed a guy. And you got away with it. Yeah. You but that's never know what kind of civil suit might be coming down the pike. 
Yeah. Yeah. Let's start start racking up that bank account, bro. You might have to <laughs> pay a lot of money out to that family of the guy that you killed. Pending a paternity test. He's not having fun anymore because he already completed his main goal, killing a guy. Yeah. I mean, there's nowhere else to go but down from here. Yeah. How are you going to recover from that high? Yeah. You're not going to you're not going to pass that. Yeah. It's why, it's why the Golden Globes are before the Oscars. You know, you don't want to have that switch let down. Uh, this is unrelated to Tony Stewart, but this is just a fun factoid that I came across while researching this. 2016 is also the year that the annual race at Chicagoland Speedway changed sponsors. Yeah. Previously, it had been Johnson & Johnson's Janssen Pharmaceuticals. Great. A great sponsor. Great job. Big Pharma. Perfect. In 2016, it became the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 400. That rules so fucking hard. And it's still that. Tony Stewart killed that one guy. <laughs> Got away with murder. Stewart power. This is still a race that happens every year in Chicago. I could go. Let me tell you that that trophy must be the most amazing thing on the planet. It is. We looked at a picture of it. I did. I know. I was lying, pretending to be <laughs> excited and surprised by that information, <laughs> but I looked it up and it's fucking bananas because they also it's, don't even look, they don't even look like the real Ninja Turtles. It's a very strange, it's a very strange, but also dope as fuck. Imagine being like a really like, like a masculine tough guy NASCAR driver and you're like, here's my trophy room. This is right here is when i won the teenage mutant ninja turtles 400 it's the biggest race i ever won it's just this big fucking <laughs> stupid cartoon Not yeah if that was your only career victory yes, i would kill for that to be true i like looking at that trophy i would like to have one i'm looking into it like someone has to have dropped theirs off at pawn stars or something yeah yeah <laughs> Or at least a replica. But you're right. The the Ninja Turtles on it look weird. But I've never seen... They're, they're based on a Nickelodeon series. Hmm? And I, I've never seen the Nickelodeon series. So I don't know if they look the same. Yeah, it's it's um, it's um definitely very strange uh, choice. But it's so cool. It is. It's the coolest. Oh, God. It's so funny. It's so funny that that's the thing. Because everything else looks like the fucking Stanley Cup in one way or another. Or like a... Or fucking like a glass retirement plaque. Yeah. Fucking Tiffany crystal. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's just a fucking bowl of Ninja Turtles. <laughs> you know what? The first thing that came to mind when I saw it was the tour you take people on at Sideshow Collectibles when you do the podcast or before mm -hmm. COVID. Yeah. Like that looks like something that would be in the Sideshow Collectibles showroom. It's great. It's pretty rad. I'm trying to find out if you can buy a copy of this on the, uh, buy one of these on the internet and it doesn't look it, which is very upsetting, but they have like giant eyes. It's like gold and they're wearing, oh, they're wearing racing goggles. That's why. That's why oh, they look so okay. strange. I looked at them and I was like, their eyes look stupid as fuck. Oh, no, they're wearing racing goggles because they're racing. That makes sense. They're holding their weapons. It's funny because the, there's this photo of, of one of the winners of it, Martin Truex Jr., uh, who <laughs> who won it, and uh, it's apparently the NASCAR chase opener. Oh. And uh, there's a picture of him, like, taking a selfie with these four fucking massive Ninja Turtles behind him, and it's so funny. Yeah, they're holding their weapons in case Tony Stewart races that year. It's also, it's not a small trophy. No, it's huge. Like, it's the size of half of your body. Yeah, it's a plate full of Ninja Turtles. It's so big, and everybody seems to like it. Everybody seems to think it's, like, a pretty fucking cool statue. I wonder if Tony Stewart ever won. Well, no, he wouldn't have won the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 400 because he retired by then like an idiot. One one year, Tony, you could have won that baby. 
Finally. Speaking of that, in a delicious, delicious twist ending to this episode and this story about Tony Stewart never winning the Daytona 500, the year after he retired, after 17 tries behind the wheel, he finally won the Daytona 500 as a team owner. Kurt Busch was driving. This is a quote from Tony Stewart. If I knew I'd retire and win the next race, I would have retired 17 years ago and got it that way. It's a pretty cool deal. This is the one we've waited for a long, long time. That doesn't make sense because then you wouldn't have won all the other stuff. That is a man trying not to cry. (laughs) Man, it's just good when you're a winner. If not, if you're an owner, if not better, man, I get more money for it. Yeah. But also you can't do it yourself. You need Kurt Busch, a better driver to win for you. Yeah. I mean, as good as Tony Stewart was, he could never get over that hill. And it's just so great that immediately after retiring, someone else wins one for him. Yeah, he has to pay someone to win the Daytona 500 for him. (laughs) It's like looking on someone else's paper. If I was him, I'd be paying someone to win the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 400. (sighs) I gotta get me one of them. It seems like it might be a pricey trophy to try to get a hold of. Yeah. We should try to get one, though. Couple grand? Kevin Truex Jr., he he can't be rich enough to say no, right? Yeah, he's probably hurting for money. Let's offer him 500 bucks. We'll give See you where it goes. We'll give you $600. So yeah, Tony Stewart finally won. He finally won a Daytona 500. Good for you, Tony Stewart. You just didn't do it as a driver, which that's still got to sting a little bit. Uh, what? Not a little bit, like a, lo- a lot of it. Like I played little league baseball and I was really, really good. I was a really good pitcher, but I never hit a home run. And that still gnaws at me to this day. Like, I want, that, I want that feeling of hitting a home run in a game. Never happened. Yeah. I never made it that far into baseball. And this also reminds me of people like Patrick Ewing, Charles Barkley, Dan Marino. Just legends. Absolute legends. Who just never won that one, that one big one. History is littered with them. And Tony Stewart's one of them. Tony Stewart, man. How about that Ninja Turtles 400, though? <laughs> We should go to that next time. I would go to it. Yeah, it's in Chicago. Yeah, I got family in the area. That'd be easy. Right? It'd be pretty rad. Not going to lie. I would like to go to a NASCAR race. Just, I think just once. Yeah. No. (laughs) They're usually very warm, very in the sun. It's like the worst parts of a baseball game. Let's go to the Daytona 500. That's in February. Is it? Yeah. Starts the season. Oh, I thought it was in July for some reason. It's February in Florida, but still. I'm not going to Florida. Yeah, the Florida part sucks. Especially Daytona Beach. Come on. What am I, on spring break? You're going to get attacked by Hulk Hogan? I need that. (laughs) Brother. That's our episode, I think. That's a sode. I tried researching, by the way. I couldn't find who the other winners of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, 400 are. I couldn't find the results of the 2016 race. Did they, like switch sponsors again i don't know that? i saw i found news articles about the 2017 race i would have researched it ahead of time but i didn't but I'm, I'm, i can only find the 2016 and it looks like something uh there was supposed to be a thing from 2017 but i don't know man well if it's not happening anymore we should start one of our own yeah the teenage mutant ninja turtles two and a half we just run yeah two we'll and do a like half a miles. 40 40 miles yeah how fast can you get from Burbank to Disneyland? Right? Yeah, man. Jeff a- May tracked it in at like under an hour. Good for him. That'd be a fun race. So our next episode is going to be a bonus subscriber-only episode to wrap up the season. Put a put a nice little bow 
on top of this, we're going to talk about Tony Stewart in 2020. He has had a surprisingly action-packed 2020 for being essentially retired from NASCAR. And uh, not without controversy. In a year insulated by death, he is truly at home. Right, yeah. He's he's in his zone now. Yeah. People are dying. Tony Stewart's feeling it. Time to come back. Yeah. He gets more power. <laughs> That's how he gets that his power. Yeah. Well, fuck yeah, man. So uh, do we have anything to plug before we get out of here? Well, you can check out Sideshow Sideshow every other Tuesday at Sideshow Collectibles, uh, as well as my other live shit that I do there, like every Monday morning, Unsealed and Revealed at 10 a.m. Pacific. Uh, you can also check out Tom and Jeff Watch Batman on the Gamefully Unemployed Network. And uh, that's it. That's all, all I have to offer you people to listen to. Uh, If you want bonus episodes of this podcast and lots of other podcasts go to patreon.com slash unpops or unpopsnetwork.supercast.tech and uh you know follow the show on twitter at you don't sports i never even think to plug that yeah you can find us we on there find us please we're here we're waiting for you hot singles in your area are standing by hot (laughs) are to kill someone on a dirt track (laughs) so uh I think that's it. Let's get out of here. Jeff, say goodbye. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.